0: what's up everybody we are back welcome to rear chronicles brought to you by realtalking.com i am your host david i am joined with the John Madden to my Pat Summerall. I haven't said that in a while. The man, there's only one man I could bring on here to talk about our feelings today. <laughs> Mr. Jack Renaud.
1: What is up? How are you?
0: Good, good. How's it been traveling from Twin Peaks back to uh, Kentucky?
1: Well, you know, I I, I was hoping <laughs> you weren't going to bring that up because I definitely had that saved for what I watched. Uh,
0: oh, I wasn't talking about the show. I was talking about your counterpart, Jack Renaud.
1: Oh yes. Uh you know. <laughs> quite good. Uh had a nice little stay at a cabin, but yeah, other that, than that, yeah.
0: That's um glad to have you here today. Today we're gonna cover the fortieth anniversary of quite frankly one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh a movie I've discussed with Jack off the line and some of our other buddies and I'm glad to be covering it with you today, especially since you had a rewatch and uh the waterworks were turned on yeah, this time so yeah. i can't wait to talk in detail about that but uh mm-hmm. before we get into that let's get into some of the news of the week uh i'm uh, not sure. actually i think you do know this ghostbusters is one of my favorite films my top in my top five favorite films of all time uh, oh, i love top that five? Okay. yeah oh yeah right. so my the order of my favorite films is godfather 2 godfather 1 dark knight uh ghostbusters and back to the future that's my top five okay. Okay. um so, when Afterlife came out, knowing Jason Reitman was going to direct, I was super excited. I love the film. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're getting a sequel. It was rumored at CinemaCon, and now it's completely confirmed. They confirmed it yesterday during Ghostbusters Day. It is titled at the moment Firehouse. And if you've seen Afterlife, they do tease that they return to the firehouse in New York. So, I'm super excited. But the one thing that I that I wanted to touch on, too, is the fact that we are also getting a Netflix animated Ghostbusters series Uh I grew up on that Ghostbusters animated mm-hmm. series. So I'm very interested in the direction Reitman is going to take this. Uh, he will be EP on the animated series. And my guess is going to direct and write the script for the uh, for the new film. So, Jack, what do you think?
1: I mean, typically I would be a little skeptical of, you know, new movie, new TV show mm-hmm. for one specific franchise. Granted, I'm a really big fan of the Ghostbusters movies. Uh the second one, like it enough. Uh, it's a fun rewatch every now and again. Okay. Uh, even the 2016 one I thought was slightly overhated, and then Afterlife I thought was really fun and um, a really good tribute to the original movie. And I was really happy that Reitman directed that, and I'm happy that he's coming back to direct the others. So knowing that it's in his hand, I'm a little bit more uh, safe with it and happy to see what's coming. So I'm definitely more excited than I would think i would be that's for sure
0: yeah same here i'm very interested as into the direction that they take the um the new film especially with the post credit scene of mm-hmm. uh ernie hudson's winston pretty much buying the firehouse and yeah leading everyone back in there so i'm curious where they go uh next bit of news is it's like a ying and a yang with the next bit of news i'm excited for the casting but i hate who's directing so mm. julia garner <laughs> has been offered the role of madonna perfection i think is casting i think that's like spot on but uh what i really want to know your thoughts on is madonna's directing this is this going to be a puff piece biopic and it's not going to really dive into the deep aspects of her life
1: i i don't want to speak too soon because i could be shut up with uh if she has the right team backing her uh it could turn out really well uh I I don't know her directorial efforts at the moment, <laughs> if if there are any. Uh, let
0: me, um, I'm gonna say no, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up just to double check.
1: But obviously, she should be involved in the movie in some way, whether it be like co-writing or like producing or something along those lines. But I don't think I've ever heard of anybody directing their own biopic. Ah, uh, no, I haven't heard it either. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a slippery... The closest I could
0: think of would be like, I don't know, Bob Fosse for all that shit. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the closest thing. Um, I'm a little bit more... I don't know. I, I sometimes like when a party is not involved with their own biopic so they're, yeah. they don't have to hold back. My guess is that's why we've never gotten the Scorsese-Frank Sinatra biopic because I don't think you would hold back. Um, uh-huh. I think there will be moments that excuse me, that that are held back in this. But I, I I, like the casting. I will be watching it. I'm just very curious as to uh, the direction that will be on, on hand for that. Uh, yeah. Next bit of news is, I mentioned last week on the podcast, I saw Heat on the big screen for the first time, and it was, a, oh, man. What, a, <laughs> what To hear that sound, because we saw it on 35mm, which yeah, was a yeah. surprise. I didn't even expect it to be on 35. But mm-hmm. to hear that High scene the shootout the shootout mm-hmm. on the big screen was one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had it is yeah. amazing with that being said Tokyo Vice was um, released a few months back really good reviews but with the Ansel Elgort controversy wasn't sure um, it's been renewed for season two so I'm going to completely dive in uh, I saw the first episode it's all in Japanese
1: Mm-hmm. so
0: even Ansel learned Japanese for the for the role, so he speaks f- pretty much fluent Japanese. It's actually okay. very intriguing stuff, so if you get a chance to check it out, um, definitely do. I know one thing you'll be checking it out. This literally happened about two minutes ago before we started uh, finishing up the notes for the podcast. Jaws and E.T. are getting an IMAX release. Now, um, which one comes first for you now?
1: <laughs> Jaws. Yeah. I, 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 I do love E.T., but I, the Jaws was the first movie that I saw after uh, after like COVID started to like lift its restrictions mm-hmm. and theater started to reopen. Uh, one of the theaters near me brought back Jaws. And so that was the first movie I saw back. And I had owned. we actually talked about this recently, but for the longest time, I only owned it on DVD. So mm-hmm. I never actually got like the full quality of like the camera work and all that. So seeing all like the underwater shots and all the shots on the water is just so pretty. So. Now to get the upgrade to IMAX would so just be immaculate, but ET I'm also very excited for. So for sure. you're
0: going to be going in different orders. You are actually going to be seeing ET first because that comes out August 12th, and then Jaws will be Labor Day weekend, which is okay. smart. I can see yeah, why they yeah. they're doing that. Um, I want I I do have it in my notes for uh, what we watched because I did rewatch Jaws this week, and I want to yeah. I, I want to kind of touch on like. I think that's one of the greatest transfers
1: uh, to mm-hmm. 4K yep. that
0: we've gotten so far. And I kind of want to touch on just the water aspect, how beautiful the water think, looks in that movie now.
1: I, I think it's all. Yeah, I think that's perfect, because like you just said, I when I saw it, it just completely shot into my top 20 after I saw it in theaters. One of the best, not only 4K, but just HD transfers. I think that movie benefited so much from. Getting the widescreen experience, because oh, yeah. I know a lot of people saw it first on like the 4x3 TVs where everything's all like shrunken down. Mm-hmm. So getting the widescreen really adds to how good that movie looks.
0: And I want to throw a little defense to the mayor when we get to it a little later today. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little bad for the for the, for him as, we, as we'll as discuss it a little bit. Uh, So yeah, very excited for the IMAX release. Didn't see it coming, so I'm glad that we're getting it. So we got also three trailers that dropped this week. Uh, the Black Adam trailer, which in my opinion, I love The Rock. It looks really bad. <laughs> um, maybe he shouldn't have hyped it up as the the best thing since sliced bread because it doesn't it looks it looks like every other comic book movie that's come out in the last fifteen years, essentially. So it doesn't really look like it's breaking the mold. Uh, the two trailers I did want to talk about, so we got the new trailer to Nope, which mm. uh my opinion, I'm glad that it doesn't give anything away. We kind of already knew how to do with aliens, so I'm glad that it kind of teased a little bit of what the movie's about. But knowing Jordan Peele, uh, yeah. that's not what it's about. So, what well, what are your thoughts on that trailer?
1: Yeah, so you actually asked me to watch it before the recording, and I was at first just like, God damn it, because I I wanted to skip. After I heard it came out, I was like, I'm just gonna, not gonna watch it and just wait until it comes out. Oh, I sorry. The... No, you're <laughs> you're all good. I because I saw like the screenshot of like the alien ship and I was like, "Well, goddamn, like I didn't want to see that early." Uh but I watched the trailer and I had to look up I I had to like look up the plot to be sure I didn't miss anything cuz I was like, "I watched the trailer and I was just like it's still all I know about this is it's just aliens come to earth and freak out some people, right?" And that's the case and I'm glad he's keeping it this vague. So I am really excited to see it and it looks really like pretty so yes, I'm definitely going to go for IMAX and Oh yeah, me too.
0: And in the other trailer that uh ironic before we were record we started recording uh my wife was chiming into our conversations about this trailer. Rob Zombie's yeah. The Munsters uh teaser yeah. was released. I got to say it's just the opening credits of the TV show but I'm kind of in.
1: <laughs> that's all you really need for it like a teaser trailer yeah and not to mention the fact that it's pg and it's so it's rob zombie showing restraint i'm always down to see some of that oh yeah i i listen i i
0: i can't say that the Munsters is one of my greatest my my favorite shows of all time but i did watch it a lot as a kid mm-hmm. so to get a live action film very curious at where it's going. Is it going to be great? Probably not. <laughs> but yeah. I, but the fact that it's PG, I'm more intrigued than I would if he tried to, you know, gore it up and make it into something that it's really not. So I'm glad that we get that.
1: There was one more trailer I wanted to ask you about that I saw, and I'm really excited about this. What was it? Paramount Plus is releasing a new Beavis and Butthead movie. I didn't see the trailer, but I've
0: been hearing about it. How good does it look?
1: Uh, well, I mean beavis and butthead it's kind of just like you know the same joke really mm-hmm. so if but if you're a fan of that joke it's it's like wes anderson like if you like what he does with like his trademark then like you're gonna like all of his movies beavis and butthead is kind of like that and so i think it looks really fun uh, i'm a big fan of the show and the first movie that same they made year. so I, i'm really excited to check it out
0: i i i laugh way too hard at that first movie <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I totally am with it. It, it reminds me of the way I feel about Jackass. Like I was uh-huh. excited for Jackass forever, and I it paid off because it's literally one of the most entertaining entertaining theatrical experiences this year. Uh, yeah. And then the last bit of news is one that I didn't think was gonna come into existence. I hoped really really hoped it would not happen, but um, it looks like it's going to happen. Todd Phillips took to Instagram the other day to tease a Joker script. And not just the script, but if you swipe right, you see Joaquin Phoenix reading the script. I'm just going to jump into making what I feel will probably be an accurate conclusion. There's no way Todd Phillips is going to post that picture of Joaquin unless he has signed a contract already.
1: Yeah, I-, uh, I agree.
0: What do you... We'll start with that. What do you think?
1: Okay. Um... Uh... I'm not over the moon about the original Joker movie. I thought it was very good. Joaquin deserved the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I'm kind of like the fact that it was originally, or at least the way that I thought it was going to be when it came out would be just the end on that universe and left really vague. But I mean, I'm obviously not surprised based on the success. I believe it's, one of if not the highest grossing r-rated movies ever made
0: uh, I, it's not just that i also think I'll, it's funny we're going to be talking about et it's yeah. one of the highest comic book movie wise it's definitely the biggest um the biggest profit margin percentage mm. in the history of comic book movies uh the okay. budget was 60 70 million and it grossed one point something billion so yeah. it's it's the highest percentage of 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 profit in the history of comic book films um the old i'm with you i think this i think the ambiguity of the ending will left a lot of great questions as to did he imagine all this was he just reliving his story but now we get to the point where we're having a sequel we're gonna kind of have to we're gonna know what's true and what's not the interest the only thing interesting about this whole thing that makes me wonder maybe i do want to see this is the title is uh I'm, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna butcher it, but it's filet à something
1: like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but that
0: means a uh, a dual a dual disorder. So I wonder if this is going to be the introduction of Harley Quinn into this universe, or something I thought about that I saved it for the podcast. Is this a way? Because a couple of years ago, probably like two years ago, William Dafoe made a, had an interview. And he brought up the idea of a two jokers, and he'd love to participate in a movie with Joaquin. That we have a dual jokers in Gotham City because we still can't have a Batman because he's too young. Yeah. So I'm curious if it's go- if we go there or if we if it's the Harley Quinn Quinn route. Either way, I see this movie going to Venice next year, uh, because the folks in Europe loved Joker. I mean, I loved mm-hmm. it too, but I think the water mouth started in Europe during venice so i think it's going to go to venice next year if it you know if they start shooting relatively soon um yeah i mean any other anything else you want to add
1: um i'm at least glad that todd phillips is still writing and directing it that's for sure so at least he can carry on his vision uh but yeah in terms of what it's going to cover i think the harley quinn is a likely possibility Mm -hmm. the two jokers does really interest me and I know Willem Dafoe certainly hears on the internet a lot how good of a Joker he'd be, and he clearly stated that in an interview, so oh, yeah. I'd definitely be down for a Willem
0: Dafoe Joker, same, that's for sure. Same here, and uh yeah, I'm with you. Uh And this would mark the first time, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, that Joaquin Phoenix has done a sequel to a movie he had previously been in.
1: Nothing else is coming to mind, so yeah, I think
0: you're right. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but before we get into ET, let's get into uh, probably one of my favorite parts of the podcast every week, what we watched. I got a lot. Um, Do you have a lot, or do you have just a few things?
1: Well, it's been a while for me, so I kind of just narrowed it down to the highlights and the stuff that I know you and I can converse over, so if you want to go ahead and get started, yeah, you can. Yeah, for sure. Alright,
0: so... I watched uh, all the Jurassic Parks in preparation for Jurassic World Dominion, which eh, I feel like every time a movie that it's not, listen, I don't think it's great. It's a floppy screenplay. It's ridiculous. Wh- wh- which movie? Jurassic, Jurassic World Dominion. Okay. Okay. It's not the worst movie of the year. It's nowhere near the worst movie of the year. It is a, it is a f- very flawed, Illogical, nonsensical movie, mm-hmm. but when you you know you have dinosaurs running around the world in 2022, you know what I mean you, you yeah. can't really expect a masterpiece. Uh only Steven Spielberg can give us that. But like, I I had a good time with it. It's a it's ridiculous. Like they <laughs> they're very minor spoiler. I'm not gonna tell you where in the movie it is. But if you ever wondered what happened to that shaving cream can, you're gonna find out in Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> Okay. Actually, you're not gonna find out because you see it. I'm not gonna tell you where you see it, but you see it, and it's never addressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's how ridiculous it got. But um. But yeah, I saw that. I saw for the first time in 21 years AI artificial intelligence. Uh.
1: Wait. Since it came out, you yeah, haven't seen, I haven't seen since it, it since out? it
0: came out. Wow. Okay. Because I hated it. Because I don't like I don't really like Haley Joel Osment at all at all. Um.
1: Not a bad movie. sense. yeah. Sixth Sense is really where I give Haley Joel Osment credit. I agree. Uh Would have loved to see Kubrick's version of this
0: because yeah, you know we all we all know Kubrick was supposed to direct it and he gave it off to Spielberg. Uh interesting. I mean, interesting ideas, interesting concepts. It's like a mm-hmm. it's like a, a modern version of Pinocchio. That's pretty much the way you kind of look at it. "I want to be a real boy" type of thing. Um, yeah. I rewatched Ready Player One, which I still fucking love um close Encounter of the third kind one day jack i'm gonna love that movie i promise you one day
1: i i don't it's interesting i don't love it like as much as other people do i think i have it like four stars and maybe it's like nine or ten in my spielberg ranking but i mean it's really freaking pretty i think it got spielberg's first director nomination if i'm correct because i know you didn't get it for jaws blasphemously but uh but yeah
0: I think so too. Uh, I, I do like it. I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just feel like because so many people love it, I always have to rewatch it every year to say, maybe this is the time that I find something that I really love. But I think it's just a very well made movie. Uh, rewatch DT, e. which we're going to talk about. Uh, watch Poltergeist for another podcast. We're going to be on release day rewind. We're going to check that out when it's, uh, when it's up. I saw, uh, Jaws, which is what I kind of wanted to touch on. I have this and one more thing. Uh, two more things I wanted to touch on. So, I've never, um, I've never been the guy that says, "Oh, Jaws is not a pretty movie." Even in the DVD days, I'm like, I just love the grittiness of Jaws. I always mm-hmm. thought it was some. There were aspects of it that just looked pretty. But man, when this got transferred to 4K, I, I, because essentially it's the Jaws. I always feel like it's two movies like an investigative oh, film yeah. in the yeah. first half and then we get everything on the boat in the last hour um i kind of longed for the stuff on the boat this time more because of how beautiful the water looks and i just want to just live with them on the boat for an hour yeah. um i still think the the movie works it's so effective i don't i don't I, I, do you think there's a flaw to jaws outside of like obviously the shark not working um and no and no uh, minorities in the entire movie.
1: Okay, yeah you you got those two <laughs> out of the way. That's that's pretty
0: much it. Yeah, cuz um I, I can every time I watch it I'm like, "Eesh. Not it."
1: Yeah, I I I mean it's it's so bizarre that Jaws is kind of at least in terms of like the people that I know around my age, like Jaws has kind of lost some steam in terms of it's like public credibility i guess and acclaim because i still think at least that it's it's in my top two favorite spielberg movies and i think it's just an incredible way to just look at him and the way that he goes about directing and how one change can just completely make or break a movie and i agree probably the best like i guess capitalization or like sliding doors moment in movie history or the best problem solving moment in movie history i think for the shark not working
0: yeah and honestly it's probably one of the most if we ever have a discussion on ratings the rating system in hollywood it's one of the most shocking pg movies ever you got nudity yeah you got quent being chopped up
1: kids literally dying kids
0: dying and they're like you know what pg let's go we're good yeah. to go um the mayor man listen listen Murray Hamilton's fucking great in this movie. Oh, absolutely. He
1: is absolutely. so great. One, one, one of my favorite voices in movie history, for sure. Anytime <laughs> you opens his mouth, it's just like, just keep it coming. Keep it coming. Here's
0: my two cents. Is he
1: a piece of shit?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. But opening the, opening the beach on July 4th was not the worst thing he did because the waters were protected and the shark and Jaws attacked the pond. Never attack the beach. Mm-hmm. So, in retrospect, what he's blamed the most over—he didn't do anything wrong. And then my favorite line in in Jaws for 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 Mary Hamilton is like, "He's like, you want to perform an, an an autopsy on this shark so that Kidner boy yeah. can just drop out?" I'm like, "Come on, man, this guy's too good." Um, and like I said to you off the line, Mrs. Kidner, not a great mom. What is she doing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean everyone's like screaming and she's just like laying back i i, I rewatched it actually and uh like r- the shot right after kitner gets like taken over you can see everybody start to get up and be like did you see that and everybody's like getting up except for miss kinder who's still just like lying down yep. and honestly <laughs> if if um
0: if my kid my kid if i know there's sharks in the waters one i'm not going to the beach that's and two if i am at the beach i'm gonna be in the water with my kid not yeah. let them roam off by by him or herself. So not good parenting. And then, uh, yeah, move the, the fine the finale uh, with the shark is just phenomenal. Um,
1: I will say I'm glad that you're finally on my side when it comes to the score. Yes,
0: yes. So, uh, I've always I've always loved the score, but I've never I said that it's not. It's still not. You know, that's ET, fair. E T is still on top for me. But when n- it but com- now you
1: see my logic. But
0: I do feel that the score is used beautifully throughout. The, the film yeah. i totally I'm totally with you there um also uh Ellen Brody great movie wife I think she's Absolutely. actually really good yeah. she and there's uh the very subtle what makes a Spielberg movie a Spielberg movie when uh uh like the bro- hands that and when brody's having the moment with his son at the dinner table i really thought that's a nice yeah, sweet yeah. moment very spielberg mm-hmm. touch uh and then the last thing i wanted to touch on before we move on to you was lightyear i saw lightyear yesterday and i can actually talk about it um i the way you feel about the incredibles is how i feel about lightyear right now it's really? not it's not in my top 5 or anything like that pixar but i this feels if we have an incredibles movie in space that's how this felt sometimes. okay uh the movie does not try to connect the dots to Andy. It makes it known that um that the world of Toy Story exists, but it doesn't have a scene later at the end of the movie where you see Andy watching Lightyear or anything like that because it's been said yeah. that this is what started the fan base of him and Buzz Lightyear. But the movie itself is fantastic. The cat, uh Socks the cat is the probably one of the best movie sidekicks i've seen in the last 10 15 years it's he's hilarious and taika yeah, I'm getting, was, I'm, what do you say I'm
1: getting, re- I'm, I'm getting really good uh vibes from him from the trailers that oh. i've been seeing yeah well you're see- getting a lot of air time well you
0: see he's in the whole movie probably awesome. like after like 15 minutes he's in and you never lose him um taika watiti's hilarious villain whatever it's zerg they kind of touch on that toy story 2 trope that you you know if you remember that reveal in toy story 2 don't really like where they that's the only thing i can say i didn't really like but that's very much a you know picky picky nuts yeah yeah. but what about you i'm very curious to what you have seen this week yeah so
1: i like i said i tried to just narrow it down to the stuff that i know we can talk about so firstly i was on a plane going to sedona and what better movie to watch on a plane for me at that moment the north by northwest yes good old rewatch uh Second favorite Hitchcock movie, only behind Vertigo. Uh, Cary Grant is immaculate. M- some of my favorite line deliveries in any movie, uh, but and all around, I think just an incredible movie. Except so like the final like, shot. Yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> I it, it's the only movie that I adore that fumbles the bag in the last <laughs> like minute.
0: And I love that shot so much. I I hate that you I hate that you hate it.
1: it's not even that i don't like it it just feels like such an awkward way for the movie to end because like it just goes from them dangling on mount rushmore to like a sex joke in a train car which like fine way to end the movie just a really weird transition which like again it's my second favorite hitchcock movie and it's really my only gripe with the movie so
0: curious since you mentioned vertigo and not north by
1: northwest do you
0: think the three-picture run of Vertigo North by Northwest and Psycho is the best of all time, or is it Coppola's Godfather Conversation Godfather 2? I think those are the only two you really in conversation. In unless, terms, of, unless, in terms we,
1: of, like, triple feature? Like,
0: back-to-back-to-back, to because back to back. I can say, because okay. uh, cause Spielberg had E.T. Raiders and what was, was it Sugarland
1: Express? Sugarland Express was his first in 73, um, I mean yeah, I think that that three hit run is incredible cuz I do think it's not my top 3 cuz I've got Rear Window there instead of mm-hmm. Psycho, but yeah. it would that's a very valid like those are three of his best movies without question. Yeah. Uh, and then all four of those movies I think are just like his Mount Rushmore. It just all comes down to whatever order you put him in really.
0: Agree 1000%. Uh
1: and then going from there, um I started watching. I have two Two episodes left. The Offer, finally. I've uh, oh, been good. watching that pretty much on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, like we've talked about, it's pretty much everything that I'd want in a Godfather show. Or a, mo- a show about the making of The Godfather, except my only issue, like you. little too much time spent on the Mafia stuff. Yeah. Uh, it- it's just that The Godfather movies are such deep and such beloved movies it's just the more you can give the better really
0: have you seen because i i like you really like the show when we we're focused on the making of the movie mm-hmm. the ron tomato score it shows very is a very interesting so it's 50 percent on ron tomato's critic score but the audience score is 96 percent. and i've gotten a lot of messages because people know i love the godfather saying "Yo, the show's awesome you know, they don't pay they don't critique the stuff like me and you would, but they would Yeah. You know, so the mafia stuff didn't really bother them. They just love the show. And uh mm-hmm. was I did I overhype Matthew Good or is he like not no. amazing?
1: No. Matthew <laughs> Good is unreal. I mean, I'm honest, I think Robert Evans is such a he's such a fascinating Hollywood character. He is. Um his book is really, really interesting. The kid stays in the picture. He narrated it, uh the narrated the audiobook for it as well. So what
0: did he what did you think? Um, because I've been wa- I've been waiting for you to get here. Have you seen the episode where they go through the potential movie posters from the movie?
1: No. Okay, no, so I've, this is coming episode up. Episode nine just released, so I have two more episodes left. So okay. it might it might be this one. Yep. I think this is the episode where they go to Sicily. Yes, I think you're close. Oh,
0: Jack, your reactions to the what could have been the dumpster fire posters that could have been.
1: <laughs> oh, just... um, so after that. Uh, I've been binging Barry season three.
0: I'm sorry. Which, I'll get to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I need you to watch episode six has one of the most incredible things I've seen filmed for TV. Uh, and I think Bill Hader 100% needs to get a feature directorial effort soon because he's got the chops for it. Clearly. Is this and... the
0: darkest season so far?
1: Yes, okay. ab- ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but no bill hater's incredible he's one of, one of my favorite snl actors and to see him pretty much just fully transform and become someone who's not as likable as some of the characters he's played there is really really interesting and at the same time he has like this kind of genuine likability about himself to where barry becomes a bit more sympathetic mm-hmm. um and then we've both been watching recently uh stranger things Oh, uh, so good. We'll To wait a little bit longer for volume two um i at first was kind of I, i've been a little skeptical always just of them continuing the show just because i think season one was incredible and could have just been a mini series on its mm-hmm. own um had they just like tweaked the ending just slightly but Season 4 really kind of justified 2 and 3 for me. Mm-hmm. I think it did a really good job of connecting all the seasons together. And going forward, I'm really really excited to see what happens. Uh Sadie Sink this season is MVP. Yeah, MVP. Steve as always, all hail the king. Oh yes. Um. And then all all the plot lines I'm really enjoying, uh Hoppers' probably the least just because i I think i told you this but like cold war 80s like sci-fi stuff is kind of a hard sell for me the one real exception is war games and it's funny that they referenced that in the show season um and then the last thing yes that i watched i know you've been waiting for this one let's go the last two things actually twin peaks and twin peaks fire walk with me all right so i have
0: let's start off with season two um when oh, you found, I, I, you oh know, go you ahead
1: just got out there sorry i couldn't hear you
0: uh let's start with season two of twin peaks what your thoughts when you knew who it was a spoiler okay. wait let me just do this spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen twin peaks fast forward a few minutes three two one leland
1: yeah you found out okay. what do you think so that was just a complete just like shot in the dark. I I was completely stunned by that because I mean the whole show all the way up to that point does a really good job of diverting expectations. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I showed the pilot episode to my friend um, like a week ago and it was really funny because the whole time he was like guessing, he was like, Oh, this guy's like acting really sus. And then five minutes later he would completely switch his suspicions to somebody else. And I'm just like, yeah, you're not going to get any idea until you just know they just throw it on you like that. But I mean, yeah, that reveal scene, like I told you, that's still, that's my favorite scene in anything Twin Peaks I've seen so far.
0: And the idea, I just think it's so genius. That's why I appreciate this show so much. The genius of of Lynch to take an accident. We sp- We spoke about Spielberg before. Mm-hmm. You take an accident and you literally build your villain storyline around an accident with Bob and... Yeah, I, it's pretty pretty incredible. The scene itself when Leland dies in the jail cell, I think that's I think he should have won the Emmy for that. Mm-hmm. Like I thought he was incredible in that scene.
1: Yeah, he really was. And then uh moving on to Fire Walk with me, that mm. really just adds a whole new perspective to rewatching the show. After I watched it, I went and rewatched um a couple different episodes and some of the stuff definitely just lands a lot harder having that mm-hmm. pre having that knowledge prior because Twin Peaks the show is definitely a, a lot more like whimsical and almost kind of lighthearted at times but Fire Walk with Me that ain't that that it's not that no <laughs> it's very much more dark um, we're gonna more-
0: and we're gonna do the podcast on Fire Walk with Me in August for the anniversary but yeah. a quick like I'm gonna talk about it more in detail then but. Isn't it shocking this got Buddha canned?
1: Yeah, I mean, I yes and no, all kind of just going back to what I just mentioned about how it's darker. Um, because I do, I do think that like the first season of Twin Peaks there was definitely like it was a it was a fun mystery to follow, and Firewalk with Me kind of just removes all of that funness. And David Lynch one hundred percent took use of the lessened restrictions of film yeah. compared to network TV and just went crazy with it. So there, I think that's definitely like twin peaks unhinged without the network TV restrictions.
0: And now that you're getting to season three, there is a specific, there's a lot in Firewalk with me that has, that takes effect into this movie, into this season coming up season three. So mm-hmm. there's stuff that you miss, which I trust me you did because I did. Yeah. Um, The, the I would recommend you watching the David Bowie scene like five times. It's,
1: oh, okay. Yeah. I was it's wondering It's very about...
0: short, but it's very important.
1: I, I Be- was wondering, I was, uh, that was something that made me laugh. Cause like he had like two minutes of screen time yet. He's like fifth build. So <laughs> that's, and
0: I've read and I've looked up and I've seen many things. That is the part of the movie where I feel is a sequel. Because he warns, um, oh, my God, uh, David Lynch's character. I'm, Gordon I'm, I'm, Cole. Gordon Cole. He warns Cole that that's not Coop. Mm-hmm. So I think that scene itself is him coming from the future to warn cole uh, and because david bowie died he's not in the show but his character is in the show and that's yeah. all i'll say how they bring him back is it's david lynch that's all i gotta say when i saw that when i got to that episode and i'm like oh my god uh but i'm glad you love it i really really am glad that that you love it uh awesome so let's get to what we are here for today we're here to celebrate the 40th anniversary of my favorite Steven Spielberg film, The Rightful Best Picture winner of 1982. Uh don't if you don't believe me, ask ask uh, Richard Attenborough. Um I think he uh would probably agree with you, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah just a bit. I I think most most of them are pretty humble about that, but I feel like this might be one of those cases where he'd full on agree. Like I feel like if we maybe ask Kevin Costner about Dances with Wolves, be like, "What did you think about Goodfellas that year?"
0: i should have won Best Picture.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, I'll take Best Director.
0: What What were your first uh first time you saw? Her?
1: So this actually wasn't uh in my life the way that uh, other movies like Star Wars and The Wizard of Oz were in my household. Uh, I've seen it multiple times throughout my life. Um, but I, it definitely wasn't like on that constant rewatch cycle the way those other movies were. But, I mean, yeah, like I told you, this time around, it, it rocked me emotionally. Um, it's, I think, Spielberg at the potential peak of his powers. I know we're going to talk about this later when we oh, get to yeah. the peaks and valleys section. But, um, yeah, rewatching it this time around, it's really interesting to just see how it's affected by movies and its genre so much going forward i think star i think star wars kind of started it and et really bridged the gap because i think so much of modern pop culture i mean look at stranger things like yeah i've seen, i i was watching et um last night and i was just looking i was just thinking about all the stranger things parallels and i was like wow like it's not only this and it's all, I mean, we talked about Jurassic Park 2 earlier. It's funny how Steven Spielberg makes these, he almost invents these sub like subgenres of movies. Mm-hmm. Like, he did it with Jaws, he did it with Jurassic Park, uh, and I'd say E.T. too, like the nice alien uh, trope uh, that just starts making a whole bunch of movies like it, and just none of them are better. None of them have what Steven so, Spielberg's able to make. So what you're
0: saying, Mac and Me, is not better than E.T.? Um... <laughs>
1: If only if Paul Rudd went <laughs> in with it, then maybe I'd agree with you. But Paul Ronan's or Paul Rudd has the uh, the endorsements, so they're so, on equal playing fields. So for me, uh, dating
0: myself here, the first time I saw it was obviously on VHS, um, and I remember vaguely the green top of the VHS. To, to differentiate from other VHSs, which I still own. It's actually a la- a sealed copy of that VHS is actually in the top, I think, 10 most valuable VHSs. No oh, wow, Yeah, I don't own it because I don't have it sealed. I just own the, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah. the box copy. But yeah, um, it's one that's grown on me. I loved it at first, but as I've gotten older and I understand what he's trying, his message. I'm not just the absentee father. But the lack of friendships that he has in his life, it just hits me like a like a I don't even know what to describe it. I there every every time, every single time now I watch that movie from the moment Halloween ends when he, the E.T.'s pretty much they they call it a home. And but then he's pretty much. Pastel pale. From that moment to the end of the movie, I am tears, tears, tears. Most can of it. Can I just
1: can I just say that that scene of Michael finding him in the uh in like the river that's yeah. disturbing. Yes. Like the raccoon. Like yes. Like uh, we we were talking earlier about like early Steven Spielberg being like graphic. I think this was just another example.
0: I I agree one thousand percent. It is, and just the um, and I'm gonna talk about it when we get to like our age best and worst. But the scene where. Mike, uh where elliot is taken from et in the bathroom mm-hmm. i think that's probably one of the most emotional moments in the movie for me now because at that moment et feels so alone that there's no one and no one there for him it's yeah. oh man this movie's everything about this is great but let's get into some of the production of the film i'm sure you know some of this uh After his parents' divorce in 1960, Spielberg filled the void with an imaginary alien companion that he later recalled as a friend who could be the brother he never had and the father he didn't feel he had anymore. In 1978, he announced that he would shoot a film entitled Growing Up, which uh, which would be filmed in four weeks. However, the project was set aside due to delays on 1941. But the concept of making a small autobiographical film about childhood would stay with him. I wonder what movie that's coming out this year about his autobiographical <laughs> film. Uh, he also uh, thought about doing a close up, a follow up to to close account of the third kind. And then began to develop a darker project he had planned with John Sales called Night Skies, uh, which a malevolent malevolent alien terrorizes the family uh, filming Raiders of the Lost Ark and. Uh caused a sense of loneliness for Spielberg, far from his family and friends, and and pretty much made a lot of his childhood memories and trauma resurface. He told screenwriter Melissa Matheson about Night nice Guys and developed a subplot f- from the failed project in which Buddy, the only friendly alien befriends an autistic child, Buddies on Earth, uh would essentially turn into E.T. Uh there has been, I don't know if you knew about this, uh there's been alleged plagiarism. They actually went to court about this. In 1984, Federal Appeals Court ruled against playwright Lisa Litchfield, who sued Spielberg for $750 million, uh, claiming he used her one-act musical play Loki from Meldemar as the basis for E.T., uh, she lost a case with the court stating no reasonable jury could conclude that Loki and E.T. were substantially similar in their ideas and expression. Any similarities in plot exist only at the general level for which Miss Litchfield cannot claim copyright protection. I feel like this was done kind of similar to the Top Gun situation going ar- going on right now.
1: Yeah.
0: It made a lot of money, so let's see how much I can get.
1: How much I can get. Out of I can get. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Get into the budget, into the bo- budget and box office. 10.5 million at the time. The gross that I'm about to say was the highest-grossing movie of all time. 792.9 million dollars. I'm gonna say this right now: a movie like this does not make 729 in
1: 2022. And, and even crazier, something that's uh, that I can't remember the last time this has ever happened. This movie made this movie made more money in its fourth week than its first week. Doctor Strange dropped something like 61% after its first weekend. And the fact that it made more money a month after it released, that just doesn't happen anymore. That's, that's...
0: crazy. Yeah. And this.
1: And the, it, it was in theaters for a year. Yep, that's exactly it. That's, that's in my,
0: my facts for later. It's the longest running movie of all time. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. We're getting into a category now that I that I'm begrudging to get into, but I'm going to get into it anyway, it's <laughs> trophy room where we talk about the awards that this movie was won and nominated for. I'm going to focus on a few things here. Uh it was nominated for 9 Oscars including Best Picture. Uh Gandhi won Best Picture. Fine movie. Yeah. Gandhi uh, Gandhi Wouldn't won that? director. Yeah, whatever. Richard Attenborough said I was certain that not only E.T. would win, but it should win. It was inventive, powerful, and wonderful. I make more mundane movies. Yes, sir, you do. Um, (laughs) I never want to hear anyone say Gandhi better than E.T. when their own director said it's not better than (laughs) E.T. Yes, agreed. Uh, It won four Oscars, best original score, best sound, best sound effects, and... Um, at the FX. golden M V VFX at the golden globes, the movie won best picture and best score. It was also nominated for director screenplay and new male star. Uh, I'm going to, I do have some more awards to touch on, but in terms of the Oscars, I think we talked about it offline. Henry Thomas and Drew Barrymore. Just get them in there, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter how old they are. They're incredible.
0: I think it's her best performance. <laughs>
1: honestly yeah i mean we're gonna talk more about that when we get down to a certain character but i i still think of this most when it comes to drew barrymore uh even even like her incredible like five minute opening in scream uh i still just think about et and i mean the whole the whole child ensemble really is i think one of the best in any movie really um
0: Yes, I, I agree.
1: I I, I think I th- the ones that come to mind to rival it maybe would be like Stand by Me. I'm not, I know you're not a huge fan of that movie, but in terms of the cast, um, I think they're incredible. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think out of I think this
0: is probably the best child on duo I think we've ever seen on a in a movie together. Like mm-hmm. so, yeah. So we'll we'll touch more about that later. Uh, but it should have won picture director. I don't. Yes. I don't think i did a discussion there um do you give d wallace a nomination or is it too little too little time in the movie because i think she has some really effective scenes
1: i yeah i think she's really good i just i want to I, I don't think i'd put both of them in supporting actress because that's where they'd go i think oh yes you're um, right
0: you're right you can't put her in lead
1: yeah i i, I wouldn't good, good as they both are i wouldn't put two actresses from et up I, I, for nominations personally I agree with you
0: uh, now we get to our favorite institute, the AFI. So this is breaking news to you, right, Jack? This is a twenty. This is ranked as the twenty-fourth greatest movie of all time.
1: That's insane. I mean, second highest rated Spielberg on the list, if I'm correct, only behind Schindler's, which yes. is like seven or eight. Um, it's, also, no, it's also but- the
0: forty-fourth most heart-pounding, the sixth most inspiring, the fourteenth greatest score of all time. It's in my top ten. And the third greatest science fiction one.
1: I can agree with those placements. I know the sci-fi top two is 2001 and Star Wars. So I think that's perfectly valid. I think I might put Blade Runner up there too. But yeah, I think that's an incredible list as well as all of its other placements.
0: In 2003, Entertainment Weekly called the movie the eighth most tear jerky movie of all time. In 2007, in a survey of both films and television series, the magazine declared it the seventh greatest work of science fiction in the last 25 years. Along with that, in 1994, it was selected for the preservation, which this movie needs to be around forever. And very, um, we have a Madame sew here. This is just a random fact. They unveiled a wax likeness of E.T. at the museum, which is, I don't know, it's probably really odd.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think I I think I might have actually seen a picture of that on Wikipedia. Uh But I mean, what was what was the original like animatronic made out of? Do you know? I don't know. Oh, i was going to say cuz I can't imagine it would probably be too different of a
0: They should have just brought the original sword. one. It's probably at the Academy Museum at this point, I think. Unless yeah. unless it's been destroyed. Um all right, cool. So let's get to it, my friend. What's age the best? I have a lot here. Um so I'll just run through them since I have so much. Uh coming of age films, do you think this is a coming of age film? Or more sci-fi? Yeah. I think it's a nice I, hybrid I, I... of both.
1: Oh yeah. I mean Steven Spielberg, I think he's one of the best at making hybrid movies. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean Jaws is obviously I consider it a horror film, but it's definitely other stuff too. Yep. Um I think this is definitely another example. Um uh, it's also uh it's also a divorce movie when you think about it. Yeah, fucked up family. I was, thinking, yeah. I was thinking about that too, yeah. Um but no, I would definitely say it's coming of age.
0: What else has aged the best here? Steven Spielberg, of course. This this score has oh my god. Yeah. Uh E.T. Arrive is arriving on Earth. I really like that opening scene when they arrive. Yeah. Yeah. Um Botany. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're literally there just because they want to study
1: plants. And I, they're, I mean I I was doing research, and apparently Steven Spielberg said in an interview that ET is a plant is a plant like creature. There you go. So, so he's not male or female necessarily. Cinematic friendships. Ooh, this is yeah. This is up there. It's up there. It's up there. I'm I'm trying to think of what else is though in terms of like the best. Like, I don't think it may not be peak, but at least it's aged really well cinematic it, friendships. It, yeah, I'd give it top 10 for sure. Uh,
0: crying During Movies. Now, this yeah. this one I think you'll agree with me. Dungeons and Dragons, which in turn, Stranger Things.
1: Yeah, I think that goes in the valleys, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, child
0: Adventures, Star Wars, Movie Moms, because D Wallace yeah. is up there. Uh, yeah. I mentioned child performances before. The use of the word penis breath. I think this is uh
1: top not... top 5 insult oh, yeah. ever in any movie
0: 100%. E.T the puppet, the animatronic, I think yeah. Absolutely. This still really works. Gertie teaching E.T how to talk. Most adorable
1: scene in the movie <laughs> Same for sure. Here.
0: Yeah. E.T drunk?
1: Oh yeah. That 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 the funniest scene in the movie oh, for yeah. sure. And in turn
0: <laughs> him bonding with Harvey the dog. Because at first, Harvey's kind of like, what the fuck is this? And then that scene,
1: that whole day they gives spent egg, together. Gives them potato salad and yep. easily won over.
0: The yeah. Amblin logo.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to go ahead. or I had this put earlier, but where do you think that is in like the pantheon of great cinema shots? <sighs> it's like top 10 for sure.
0: I think it's top five for me because okay. it literally created a logo.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's like uh, like, very not movie related, but a lot of people are like, what do, you, what do you consider the Jumpman logo? And I think Michael Jordan jumping from the free throw line literally created a brand that made, yeah. made him billions of dollars. So I do think like there's a reason he chose that specific logo because Spielberg has like, many iconic moments and shots in his films. Mm-hmm. But I think that one, it's the CGI still a little rough in that now, but it's it's beautiful it's still a beautiful shot yeah Um, well a few more to go here Mary reading to Gertie I'd really like that scene very Mm -hmm. just just when we mentioned before with Spielberg those small quiet moments uh E.T. recognizing Yoda
1: yeah I that was an inside joke with George Lucas and then he gets him back 20 years later with uh Phantom Phantom Menace Menace. yeah um
0: you mentioned E.T. as Elliot's first flight and then Mary's reaction to Elliot and et's goodbye when they're saying goodbye to each other there's a nice shot of d wallace just like breaking down kind of i think at that moment she finally realized like what that friendship means between those two uh yeah and yeah i could say the whole entire movie but that's what i got what do you got jack
1: i, I mean yeah mo- we're, we honestly repeated most of the stuff just because it's all so out there and good uh the things that i'll go back and touch on a little bit though um john williams man I I I think the, I think the thing with John Williams is or the the interesting thing about him is the fact that if you take Raiders of the Lost Ark and mute it uh David Fincher did this if you mute Raiders and make it black and white you can still tell everything that's going on regardless which is just I think a true testament to the filmmaking of Spielberg but 100% this movie doesn't work without the music.
0: Absolutely not.
1: I, I, if you watch this movie muted, you don't get the emotion. You don't get the heartstrings And all the emotional beats that that music hits, it's just perfectly timed every single one. So,
0: And I think you and I share, because this is in my top, I, probably my top five favorite scores. I'd have to look at my list. But it's definitely in the top five, six of all time. And I think not just the ending, there's just different moments throughout the movie that the score is so is used so perfectly, and mm-hmm. um, one that comes to mind—it's very subtle—but the 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 when Elliot kisses the girl in school, yeah, yeah—I really like the way he uses the score in that film. It it reminds me like an old Hollywood flick, mm-hmm. the way the way that scene is shot, the way the music is scored. I think that that works really well, uh, and the small moments with Gertie and Et—the score is perfection in that scene really elevates it so much i think this is the perfect you know we talk about star wars we talk about his work i mean he's the greatest of all time i mean he's our modern beethoven he's our modern you know any composer from yesteryear i think with with this score i think i don't think he's had us i think this is the score that has aged the best for him out of any score he's ever done and the reason i say that is because I feel like Star Wars was always iconic, Empire was always iconic, Jaws is always iconic. I think E.T. has substantially grown in, in its legend and and its importance over the last 40 years. And I think none of his scores really, even Raiders, has always been, yeah, this is iconic. But E.T. is, I just feel like it's the best score
1: that did not was
0: not treated as such when first released.
1: Yeah, I think... I think Jaws has aged the best in terms of which score works best with the movie. Uh, I mean, we talked about it earlier, just like the different variations of like the main shark theme, I think are awesome. And there are a bunch of different other light motifs used throughout. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of emotional weight, ETs definitely gets better and better. And then two moments that I really, two moments that I really like that we talked about, um, the cut from the ambulance to when they're just hauling asses yes. on the bikes—that's one of the great uh, music moments that just almost made me get up and cheer. That was always really exciting. And then I'll be right here. The oh. Da, 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 yeah, da. That, oh that's, my god, that was what got me this time around. That moment for sure.
0: That and um, I mean that whole final, that whole final scene is is probably in my top favorite final scenes ever when he's yeah. like when they even do the ouch and the score playing in the background oh man so good so good uh anything else you got
1: um yeah, yeah i just wanted to highlight henry thomas's performance yeah. uh i i'd put him in my top three child performances with uh jody foster and taxi driver and probably natalie portman and leon the professional probably my uh, top
0: three too I would say, yeah, probably...
1: um, I, I can't, I don't know in order, but I think those three, I, I think the emotion that he puts on is so genuine and it's really, it was really interesting to hear the story about his audition uh, yeah, and recalling the time that his dog died, uh, which won him over immediately. uh, But no, and I'm glad to see that he's been getting, uh, he's been doing work again recently with uh, Mike Flanagan, but. He's always going to be Elliot to me.
0: Good pairing with Mike Flanagan. I've loved everything he's done with Flanagan over the last couple of years. Um, All right. Awesome. What's age the worst? I don't have that much here. Um, (laughs) Keys job security after leaving Ellie alone with E.T., which ultimately leads to his escape.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's what's his position again?
0: I don't know. He doesn't even have a name. Keys is just a nickname that's given to him. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Science? (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: this is just nitpicky as fuck, but no Han Solo figure in the line of Star Wars figures. When yeah, El-
1: that's yeah, so all, weird, all, right? All of his rivals. Yeah, he's got Jabba, Greedo, and Lando. So he's got all three of his rivals, and no Han Solo. Dude, it's so weird. <laughs> uh,
0: dissecting animals in elementary school.
1: Yeah, not to not to mention just like having them like be alive and then chloroforming them yeah that's that's
0: not it like they're they're, they're there's yeah (laughs) and the last one which we i we joked about it off the off the air the et video game which led to the video game crash (laughs) of the 1980s have
1: you ever played that game no no but i've watched game footage of it and oh my god it looks atrocious let me just say that i i hear a lot of movie fans complain when movies get delayed. In the gaming community, however, when something gets delayed, it's typically a good thing. Yeah. Because it means like they're taking their time with programming, they're not going to rush it. E.T. is the example of a rushed video game. They rushed production as soon as the movie came out because it was a smash hit, and it just did not work at all. And I'm sure we know about. Ten truckloads full of yep. Atari games were found in New Mexico, and they dug up hundreds of ET Atari cartridges in the middle of the desert.
0: Can I? Can I be honest with you, my friend? I I own a copy of ET the video game.
1: That's awesome. I want to get one too. <laughs> that's that's a killer collector's item. I'm not never going go- like I'm yeah, never going to play it.
0: <laughs> like I I have I have um. I have an array of uh, vintage games. I I play I play a lot of retro games, so I have a Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega. Yep. Um, I'll never play Atari because I just don't find it appealing, and I find the games very boring. But it was the sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, but E.T. It's just one I had to own. I just just wanted to have it in my collection. Uh, do you have anything that aged worse for you?
1: Uh, I've got one. Okay, great. Mars holding the L for denying Eminem's usage. So. Originally, the crew went to Mars about getting M Ms for the movie, and they didn't want to be associated in a movie with an alien, so they said no. So instead, they reached out to Hershey's and they struck a deal to promote the movie in exchange for them using it, which was a win-win on both parts. And Reese's Pieces at the time wasn't that big of a product, but
0: it sure is now. After
1: E. T., man, sales went up like sixty-five percent. So. It, they created a rival product just for saying no to being used in E.T.
0: That's so crazy. That's a great one. Um, Alright, here we go. Award time, my friend. The debut of the brand new award to the Real Chronicles podcast Retro Retrospective of Films. The Al Martino Miscast <laughs> Award. Um, For anyone that's unaware, Al Martino played the wonderful johnny fontaine and the godfather but
1: originally wonderful of course in air quotes that yes <laughs>
0: yes um originally coppola would have liked france uh france and not frank sinatra to play the role but you know obviously that had happened and we got al martina <laughs> probably the only thing negative you can say about the godfather yeah um so we decided to create a new award for the miscast what character in this movie do you feel was miscast? I have one. You may not agree, but in terms of the relationship between Steven Spielberg and, Har- and Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, not Peter Coyote, should have played Keys. I think you could have expanded that role a little bit more if it's Harrison Ford it may have been a little distracting watching now because of who Harrison Harrison Ford is but at the time the star power of ford could have even brought the movie even more money so that's who i have here
1: uh yeah i i couldn't honestly couldn't think of anybody uh it's just too good uh and keys i mean i, I again i didn't consider keys really cuz <laughs> he's not really significant until like the last quarter of the movie And I I think Harrison Ford would maybe be a little distracting Mm because, I mean, he was just on, like, the star power run of his lifetime. Uh, So I I think having primarily unknown actors and actresses in this movie really helps it and makes it feel more genuine. Um, How
0: about this? Instead of miscast for this one, do you cast the father? He he shows up with his girlfriend, which Elliot seems to love to throw shade to his mother.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, (laughs) Hmm. There's always Richard Dreyfus.
0: Yeah, it would. I think it would have been one of his boys. I think yeah. it definitely would have been one of his boys because it's not going to be. I was going to say Robert Shaw, but isn't Robert Shaw dead by then?
1: I think. I think he died in '78. Yeah. Um.
0: Roy Scheider could have been another one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ah, how old is D. Wallace? Because Roy Scheider at was that like time, I think she was in he her. Thir- Jaws, she was, I, think, I think. I
0: think she was thirty-three okay so it could have could have worked um all right now we get to the ones i know you'll have someone for the joe spin of that guy award i i think this is easy it's robert mcnaughton right
1: i'm yeah i'm i I didn't go robert mcnaughton just because i felt like he didn't do too much so Mm -hmm. really et's kind of all he's got um i've got peter coyote oh yeah some of the did not did, uh, narrated some Ken Byrne documentaries um, <laughs> did he really <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's, that's I did that that. like his yeah that was one of the big things he did later um and I mean honestly um just in terms of what the Joe Spinell award is and being like oh it's that person from this movie I can't see Henry Thomas and not go that's Elliot yeah it's... uh it, it, in the in the Mike Flanagan shows I, I I see him and I'm just like oh Elliot it's... I love that he's getting work but it's crazy because he, look, can...
0: he, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> you know yeah, how some people was... age from children, like and... yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so I can I see we were going there. Deadlife Shrimp, six man of the film award, best supporting player. So I went Drew Barrymore and D. Wallace here.
1: Yeah, I went Drew Barrymore. Um, I I didn't know she actually went up for uh Carol Ann. Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, I have
0: that for our notes for our other podcast, which is uh, coming soon. Yeah, very very, different movie, if she's Caroline. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I agree. Very glad.
0: Uh, Becky O'Shea, Icebox, MVP of the Film Award. I definitely cheated here, but I went Henry Thomas, Steven Spielberg, and E.T.
1: the Puppet, and Pat Welsh, The Voice. Ooh, yeah. I, I only picked one. I said Spielberg. Yep. And then I put Duh next to it. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, I agree with uh, your other picks as well. All right. Peaks and Valley.
0: Peak. Is this the peak, my friend, for cinematic moms?
1: Hmm. I I don't know if you'd call her a mother because they're not her children, but Maria and the Sound of Music I'd also maybe throw up there uh okay yeah that's a hard conversation to ask um because her character is also interesting because the entire time it's just that she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't take the time to look around yeah because if she she actually did that then she would notice that et was there so she's just like wrapped up in the world of being an adult and unpacking the groceries and all this stuff but
0: and being a single mother with three kids yeah which kind of really
1: accentuates that i'm sure
0: yep um is this the peak for penis breath
1: Yes, abs- absolutely. Yeah. Is this uh, – Peaks –
0: this is a great discussion to have on the air because we had it off the air. Is this the peak for Spielberg? Yes, this is one of his peaks because I think he has – he has two and he's on the verge of a third. I,
1: I, ha- I had that written down that he's on the verge of a potential third because if, Fa- if Fablemans comes out and – And it's it what we out think either it way, is. Yeah, I mean yeah. – to quote LL Cool J, don't call it a comeback. He's yeah. been here for years. So,
0: And I think he'd be the f- – oh, no, because he won – never mind, because he won his second Oscar in the 90s. I would have said – I think he would have been the first director to win th- his three directors wins in three different decades if he would win this year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Spielberg, the reason I put him in peak, and spoiler, he's also in my valley, is because yeah. right here, I think he's at the power of power heights like you mm-hmm. mentioned before, Jaws, Raiders, E.T., Temple of Doom, literally,
1: not 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 to mention Poltergeist, Back to the Future, Gremlins, uh, and pretty much just kickstarting Amblin and getting so many popular eighties movies steamrolling. So it's just
0: incredible it, it, the power that he had. And then I mean, the other peak would probably be ninety. It's definitely ninety three.
1: I don't even. Yeah, think it's, it's it's a
0: conversation.
1: I, I think ninety three was him completing what he started in 82 because i think after he didn't win director and picture in 82 uh i think that was where the next peak really serves him finishing what he started
0: what do you have him by the way is he your number one for
1: directors yeah top five (laughs) top five for sure it's hard yeah um he's got three movies in my top 30 i think i i know raiders and jaws are both in my top 20 uh but no, I mean he's freaking incredible, and
0: yeah, he's still, in my, still
1: kicking it, going hard today.
0: He's in my top four. Yeah, like Hitchcock, Kubrick, Scorsese, Wilder, and then Spielberg would probably be like that. Round out that top tier. Uh, yeah. Is this the peak for puppeteering? Because some would say Yoda, but Yoda's not as the movie doesn't work if ET doesn't work if the puppet yeah. doesn't work. Mm-hmm. i think there's a world where empire still works and we still love it if yoda doesn't work as a completely work as a puppet
1: yeah i i, th- I think you're right about that i think not to mention i mean how many more movies following really significantly used puppets
0: yeah mac, and mac. I, I
1: i i think that was started i think that was kind of where it started to become a dying art form kind of like a matte paintings too
0: agreed and then this one you're probably gonna you're gonna kick back and i understand why because i think it is the other movie faking fever to stay home from going to school i know Ooh. what i know what i know what the answer is but uh, yeah it's fair
1: yeah it, it, it on, only because it's in like the plot and it is the plot and it's the action point for what is one of my favorite teen comedies yep. but I i will say i think E.T. is probably my second favorite sick day. I think that whole day yeah. spent with Elliot in his room, just like learning yeah. about stuff is just so sweet and some of my favorite stuff in the movie.
0: I agree. Uh, what about you? What do you have for Peaks here?
1: Uh, so the few that I've got that you didn't cover, um, original standalone sci-fi movies.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I was thinking about it and the old, this is the biggest and I think – most acclaimed solo sci-fi movie because everything else, I think, has at least one sequel.
0: If it wasn't for... Yeah, it would probably what was be... It, if
1: it wasn't for Blade Runner.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um,
1: Genuine product placement. Got Coke, Reese's Reese's mm-hmm. Pieces, Coors Banquet. I think this was before the era really ushered in of it becoming a thing, whereas I think this was a lot more natural. Um, And it's also the first... I mentioned this earlier. It's the first nice alien movie, and it's still the best, I think.
0: Um, yeah, because best nice alien movie or best alien movie?
1: I'll say it's the peak of nice alien movie yeah. because peak alien is bursting out of John Hurt's stomach. Yeah. I think an alien. Um, I give you that. But yeah, that all right, cool.
0: All right, Valley, Steven Spielberg, like we mentioned before. Uh, another thing we mentioned before: Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Barrymore.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think her career was kind of. I feel like it was kind of slower at first, but now she's like obviously has her own talk show and is very successful. And she's
0: like the queen of of daytime talk talk t- television now. People yeah. love going on her show.
1: Um, uh, I didn't like her
0: that much to be honest with you for a long time. I just didn't. I just felt like because. The- As- it As came... the show or the actress? No, just the actress. I don't really like the decisions, some of the decisions she's made, but it, she she has a great personality, so it's very difficult yeah. to continue to dislike her. Um, and I think she did a she had a nice run of romantic comedies. Not the career I expected of her. Mm-hmm. Starting with a movie like this, I expected of her to just you know become this acclaimed Oscar winner eventually. It never happened that, but I think she ended up having a great career. Um, Henry Thomas, I think his work with Mike Flanagan would put him there. Yeah. And my last one, E.T.'s career as a member of the Galactic Senate.
1: There it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? Um, my, my The biggest one that I had really was adolescent movies. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. this definitely started the train of, I think, Stand By Me, Goonies, um, all of which are very Spielbergian films, so... I, I again just another subgenre that this movie really created that still has a hard time being beat forty years later.
0: I totally agree. And now let's finish off with some fun facts about the movie. I have a lot here, and I try yeah. to do some to not have stuff you know. I tried my best here, but I know you know a lot. Uh, this one I broke to you the other day. This is Steven Spielberg's highest-rated film on Rotten Tomatoes at ninety-nine percent.
1: That's crazy. I mean, not not not. I guess I was just expecting it to be one of the two, like, critical darlings of his. Like, the Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Like, the Oscar caliber movies.
0: That's but. number two, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't expect it to be this.
0: Then, next up. Steven Spielberg Spielberg shot most of the film from the eye level of a child to further connect with Elliot and E.T. Like It
1: worked. Yeah.
0: Masterful. <laughs> masterful idea. Uh, beautiful touch... <laughs> to the score that we're going to talk about right now the end of the film was one of the most significant musical experiences according to john williams after several attempts were made to match the score to the film spielberg took the film off the screen and encouraged williams to conduct the orchestra the way he would at a concert he did and spielberg slightly re-edited the film to match the music which is unusual since normally the music would be edited to match the film and Mm -hmm. as we know he uh, won the Oscar for Best Original Score, and he recreated this at his last appearance at the Philharmonic at the Hollywood Bowl in 2013, conducting the orchestra live while the last reel was shown on the jumbotron. I do not remember any composer that got the respect that he does. That of director edited the movie for his score.
1: Yeah, I mean. John Williams just, hit, or Steven Spielberg owes so much of his, of his career to John Williams. Like, yeah. Jaws doesn't work without him. Raiders. Uh, Raiders doesn't really work without him. Uh, and this movie absolutely doesn't work without him. Agreed. Uh, did we talk, you, you mentioned uh, the movie being shot from the perspective of a child. Did we mention that it was also shot in chronological order? Yes,
0: I, not, not yet, but it was actually coming up as well. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Gertie looks down at E.T. and says, I don't like his feet. This was ad lib by Drew Barrymore and was mm-hmm. actually her referencing the group of wires that were coming out of E.T.'s puppet, which is actually adorable. Yeah. Uh, number five. At one point during filming, Drew Barrymore was consistently forgetting her lines, annoying Steven Spielberg to the point where he yelled at her. He later found out that she was actually sick and reported to work anyway with a high fever. He felt guilty. He hugged her and apologized repeatedly as she cried and cried. He sent her home with a note from her director. That was a nice touch to make up for. Uh, I mentioned before the script was largely written while filming location, uh, filming uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just incredible that he's directing one masterpiece and he's like writing another. Just, just insane. Uh, when the film was released on video, I mentioned the cassette was made from green plastic as a measure to confound video piracy. Uh, by nineteen, by December 31, 1988, the film has sold. 15 million cassettes. Insane. insane. Uh, going back to what you said before, Henry Thomas thought about the day his dog died to get the get the role. When it was test screen at Cannes as an unofficial entry, it was it uh, got a standing ovation uh, that eluded most of the official entries that year. And we now know that Cannes is known for that for the fact that a movie not in competition got all the uh the standing ovations. We mentioned Harrison Ford before. Did you know yep, that he yep. Yes. Damn it. I thought I was gonna get you with this one. <laughs> he filmed a cameo role as Elliot's school headmaster, but the scene was cut. He could have left that in.
1: Yeah, I mean even if you don't show even if you don't show the face, you could have had the voice still. I know, but
0: he I I I listen, I don't have a problem. I wouldn't have found it distracting, but he has uh he has uh, the mumbling uh <laughs> he, has, he has a very unique voice uh, this is the movie with the longest theatrical run ever, over a year. Uh I don't know how this what kind of role this specific person would have had, but Corey Feldman was originally scheduled to uh be in the movie, but over the over the rewrite his part was eliminated, uh, which ultimately led to Steven Spielberg promising him a role in another movie, which was Gremlins. Gremlins.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh my assumption would that it would have been one of his friends, one of Michael's friends, because one of his friends is a bit younger, and which is about the age that Corey Feldman was around at that time. Yeah, so maybe it would have, maybe it would have been that, but I'm not sure. E.T.'s voice I mentioned was done by Pat Welsh,
0: an elderly woman who lived in Marion County and smoked two packs, two packs of cigarettes a. a day, <laughs> uh, which gave her quote the voice quality and sound effects that creator B- that Ben Burt liked. She spent nine and a half hours recording her part and was paid 380 by Burt for her services. Burt also recorded 16 other people and various animals to create E.T.'s voice. These people include Steven Spielberg, Deborah Winger, Burt's sleeping wife, who had a cold, a burp from his USC film professor, a raccoon, a sea otter, and a horse. Um next up, this is the highest grossing film of all time. Do you know who what who dethroned E.T.?
1: Steven Spielberg with
0: Jurassic Park. Very, very, very like that's such a swag move to tell people.
1: Uh, yeah, and the, and only one movie in like wait, so seventy-five to like ninety-three. That's like a twenty year span. So four different movies were the highest grossing of all time in that period. And three and of, one of them. them one of them was not directed by Spielberg. That's insane. So. <laughs> uh
0: this one would have been interesting. Sarah Michelle Gellar auditioned for Gertie. Yeah,
1: and uh, where was it? Uh, Julie- Julia, Julia Lewis, Lewis did too. Yes, yeah.
0: I think we got our notes from the same place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Oh man, this would have, I, I'm glad this didn't happen. Originally intended on a sequel, writing a yeah, proposed script God. during the summer of '82 when ET was its initial release. The proposed film would have taken place on ET's home world and imag- an, uh, an imagery. Uh, an imagery for pre-production was published in tabloids. Thank God it didn't happen, but there was another concept called nocturnal fears. Have you heard about that? No, I've not stink. I got you here. So (laughs) Steven, Steven and Melissa Matheson created a concept where Elliot and his friends are kidnapped by aliens and ET would help them out. ET. You would also find out ET's name would be Zerk and his species was at war with other aliens the concept never, thank God, came to fruition.
1: Yeah, I'm, well, if they're just at war with other alien races, I think that just spells out the Senate when when you think so. Can you imagine... The Star Wars tie-in.
0: Can you imagine, though, like, E.T. just running around with a machine gun in a sequel? <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: what the, that's what the video game should have been, honestly. Seriously, that should have been the <laughs> sequel.
0: Uh, according to Steven Spielberg, none of the children were acting. Going back to what you were saying before... They had to act with the movie in chronological order and never saw the E.T. costume without an actor inside. This actually led to the final scene being real tears as they had to say goodbye to E.T. forever. Their heartbreak was pretty much legit. Uh, this act, this movie also led so, to... The, uh, yeah, go real, ahead. real
1: quick, something else. I, I was waiting until you brought up yeah. uh, the chronological order, but something else he does uh, in this movie that's really unlike Spielberg is he didn't really storyboard the movie, which is really unusual for him because after um after jaws in 1941 he just really wanted to make a responsible movie and that's what raiders ended up being he came in under budget and he came in uh, on schedule and so a big part of that was just like storyboarding and being prepared so that's for him to for him to not do it uh and just be a lot more spontaneous with his shots and the reactions that they got um i think
0: think it helped
1: yeah really did i agree
0: uh, There is also, based on the movie, an E.T. ride in Universal Studios Florida, which Steven Spielberg actually had a hand in doing. And I believe, I don't know how true this is, but there is a myth and legend that that ride cannot close unless Steven Spielberg approves. I'm glad. Good. Because that is actually the only, I'm a, I used to be a big fan of Universal Studios Florida for its uh original rise, Back to the Future of the Ride. ET the ride is the only ride that remains from when the park opened. So I'm I'm guessing I mean
1: what what else I mean jaws the ride I know that's gone.
0: King Kong is gone. Earthquake is gone. Uh you mentioned jaws, uh Ghostbusters is gone. Mm. Uh Nickelodeon Studios is gone. Yep. So pretty much uh, there's nothing there's not much left. Uh three more to go here. The, one second. Have a little staticky there. Thank you. Uh, this is the first Best Picture nominee to win both sound categories at the Academy oh. Awards. I did not know that. Good trivia question for uh for. Wait, LLC. Star Wars did
1: it?
0: Not both sound categories. Wow. Uh, the role of Mary was offered to Shelley Long, but she had origin she had already signed to film Night Shift in 1982. and Was forced to decline. Uh, Shelley Long, different movie. Yeah. Glad it didn't happen. And last two, the first movie in motion picture where alien visitors have no interest in contact to be in contact with other humans, either hostile or friendly. Uh, They're only, they were pretty much there as botanists and E.T.'s interaction with the children is purely accidental and not on purpose. So that's an interesting one. And last one, Steven Spielberg, Elliot's parents are divorced and it's implied that his father wants something to do with them, which becomes a trope that Spielberg uses in a good portion of his films so yeah. did, did i miss anything
1: i've got one that i really hope you don't know because I, I found this i thought it was pretty funny do you know who owned one of the et models no who michael jackson oh shit that... michael jackson bought one of the et animatronics after the movie was released god i wonder where those things are they have to be at the academy museum at least well, one of them has to be. i i think i think i read there were a three or four models and Michael owned one of them. Oh, um, that's crazy. Yeah. He, he also narrated the novelization of the audio books. So I guess he was a really big fan of the. I movie. guess so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't blame um, him. Anything else on your end?
1: Nothing else in production notes, but I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, uh, I texted you this earlier, but I think it's really interesting. Um, I mentioned wizard of Oz earlier and it's always been really funny to me that this movie's kind of just like a reverse wizard of Oz in that in the wizard of oz you take uh you take a normal person and put them in an abnormal place and then in et it's an abnormal person in a completely normal place the suburbs so oh yeah that's true i caught on to that um that comparison kind of recently i thought that was really cool but yeah that's it from me and then i guess the last question
0: i pull i i pose to you before we go where is this in your spielberg
1: rankings I think it's like five.
0: Okay. K- keep in mind Spielberg's a
1: guy who's made like six masterpieces, at least in my eyes. Yeah. So, it's my
0: per- it's my number one. Uh, mm. but I understand where you're coming from. Like I have one ET, two Jurassic, three Raiders, four Jaws, five Schindler, six not the masterpiece you think, but one that I consider is an unsung masterpiece. I've catch me if you can at number six. I've
1: got that really high too. Yeah, um, I think my my five goes Raiders and Jaws that. Mm. Top two is honestly always shifting. Uh, Schindler's, Private Ryan, ET, and then I think I'd catch me if you can, and then West Side. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he's about to have another masterpiece this year. Maybe. Maybe win another Oscar. Hopefully gets Michelle Williams her Oscar. Um, maybe David Lynch an acting Oscar. If this is what gets David Lynch is <laughs> asking his his Oscar, it would probably be the best Oscar ceremony that I've ever watched <laughs> in my life. Just to see him go on the stage and talk really loud. Yeah, that would be that would be quite wonderful. But, you know, this wraps up a very, very good episode. I'm glad that we were able to do this today, Jack. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we go?
1: Yeah, be sure to check out the League of Cinephiles on YouTube. Season three is now rolling. We got new members and a lot of trivia and cinemora matches coming up so check that out as well as the critics circle on instagram yeah something tells me i'll be competing in one of those cinemora matches
0: you can uh follow me at realtalking uh check my work out at realtalking.com and ron tomatoes uh under the david gonzalez critics page and on mamasgeeky.com so yeah uh until next week where we chop talk it up with john carpenter the thing see you at the movies kids